0: Darth Rictus. Darth Camgentace. And this is the motherfucking Darkstream. The motherfucking Darkstream
1: podcast.
0: Oh my. So, on this week, uh, we have been messing around with Standard. We've messed around with, with Historic. We even messed around with some Draft. We tried a bunch of different stuff. All over the place. Oh yeah. All over the place. And uh, I gotta say, of all of those, my favorite had to be the Esper Middeck. Uh, I, I went ahead and spent way too much money to pimp it out on Arena. It was just such a cool... Archetype is such a cool idea. It's very tempo based. And of course, Jerry Thompson went ahead and uh, had a 2 a.m. tweet splurge last night where he posted up a list and then like 80 subsequent tweets explaining his logic on the list, which was awesome. Because, like, was, was his list for Esper? Uh huh. Esper Mint as well. So, uh the difference uh, between the list and how we were doing it, like, a lot of people on that deck list are trying to go a little bit bigger with Elsp- Elspeth Resplendent and Meat Hook Massacres.
1: Right. That's what we were doing.
0: And uh, he went, he, he said, no to all of that four obscure interceptor. Let's make sure our top Ooh. ends is all flash at four. So you have four wandering emperors, four interceptors, and nothing goes higher. And that way you are kind of like this weird fish build of Esper mid, where you're putting all this momentum and all this pressure on at the beginning. And then you are just making sure you have bomb after bomb to tempo your way through towards the middle of the game. So have you tried that list? That's what I was messing around with. And He wasn't far off. Um, So I I did go down to the Four Wandering, Four Obscura, and got rid of the upper end of the curve and the meat hooks. Uh, The piece that he did that I didn't agree with was he went with uh, the Spirited Companion, which... What the fuck is that? One in a white enchantment dog.
1: Oh, right. It's, it's It's like that elf that draws a card, right?
0: Right. Instead of the Luminarch Aspirants, which I just straight up disagree with.
1: What was his logic for that?
0: that Luminarch Aspirant dies and you might as well draw a card, basically, which seems like the ramblings of a 3 a.m. testing session where you've gone a little too deep. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: What I liked about Luminarch Aspirant was that it, it had to get killed. Right. It had to get killed, and that that's kind of what I liked about the deck is that it pressures the opponent's removal mm-hmm. because these threats just get out of control. Luminarch Aspirant doesn't necessarily make sense in that deck in the way it has made sense in other decks where it's supporting other creatures. And this one is just kind of like, a, a what was that? Vine Lash or Kudzu from back in the day. Yes. That yes. you play a land and it would get a plus one, one counter. It was two mana and it started as a one, one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's just like one of those, except it always gets its counter.
0: Yep. Yep. And uh, so I took his list. I took our list. I melded them together because I liked his logic on the top end. I didn't like his logic on the bottom end of the curve. And your logic with using fateful absences has been spot on because those in conjunction with the amount of pressure and tempo uh, provided by having Luminarch Aspirant, these tenacious underdogs, wedding announcements, etc. They don't have time to crack those clues. They don't. They don't. If they do, um, you are probably fine anyway because you're drawing a ton of cards off Kaido most of the time because of all the tempo and you're conniving like crazy. Right. So there is... there's a lot to be said for pushing that tempo and the fact that fateful absence allows you to put them into a weird, like almost a catch 22 box of their own where they desperately want the value. So sometimes they, they crack the clue when they really just shouldn't, you know? I've done that. Right. You, I've done that. You just stare at it and you're like, but it's two men a draw card. <laughs>
1: yeah. Sometimes your hand isn't that great. I mean, it's the kind of the worst case scenario of giving someone a clue off of a fateful absence or something like that is that the game kind of gets to a stalemate and they're able to break the stalemate by having one more card than you. Right. But that is kind of, that really hasn't been how standard has worked for a very long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's just a lot of momentum. It allowed me to throw some obscure charms back into the mix which I also love for reanimating Rafines on their end steps. Now we have all these flash spells that are just allowing us to put all this tempo, this pressure and then pass with the knowledge that we get to double spell, basically, because of how they have to play around it. And it's it's kind of wild.
1: So how many three drops are there now? There were the Rafines, there were the Saitos, there were the... What was the other thing? Wedding Announcement. Wedding Announcement. I'm guessing you haven't cut any of those. Those are probably yep. all quads. So how many
0: Obscura Charms? So there's two Obscura Charms, um, and there's also one of a card that I've barely read. I was literally just talking uh, to Jodo Jack before... I came over here and he had one he wanted me to try out. It's the the 15th three drop. It's called to cool, I believe. It's out of the new set. It's Esper and it's a 2-1. And if I remember correctly, whenever you discard a card, you exile it and put it under this card. And whenever this card dies, you get all of those.
1: Okay. Yeah. I think I remember reading that in a draft at some point. Yeah.
0: So I don't know if it's good enough, but I, have, I had room for one cute one of potentially. And I'm like, that seems adorable. I want to try it and see if it's good.
1: Have you had a chance to try Voidrend yet?
0: No, no, that ended up getting cut for Obscura Charm. I, I still believe in the logic of the Voidrend, but I really wanted to see the power level of Obscura Charm before I moved on and replaced him with Voidrends in the main.
1: Yeah, and just to let anybody know, in case you weren't watching the stream on Wednesday and you're just listening to the podcast now, the logic for Voidrend is that it doesn't give a shit about Ward. True. It just punches through, it's going to happen. And there are, especially in game twos of this mirror match, moments where you're kind of fighting over killing
0: each other's raffines. yep and void rend is just a no fuck you it dies yep yep uh jerry's list did have two malevolent hermits in the main which yes uh, yep i knew you were gonna say <laughs> yep so i i like that we we have I still call them millennial hermits it's it's more appropriate that's what they are because they're so pissed off but then when they die they're happy and then they come back deranged. Right. <laughs> like, why? Why did you drag me from my slumber? I was finally at peace. Yeah, but the ghost is just like, yes,
1: finally I'm dead.
0: <laughs> finally I can fly in this world. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, it's because it's when you die, your student loans disappear, you see.
0: Ah, that's how they did it. Yes. Right,
1: right. That's why the ghost is so stoked.
0: <laughs> Sacrificing to counter that non-creature spell of loans. Right, right. It's it's mono blue, so it escaped Orzov. Debt in the the afterlife. There is no slavery for that, Hermit. It knows its way out. It has escaped. (laughs) So anyway, he had a couple in the main. Uh, I think we have three or four in our sideboard. And uh, I I don't know. I've I've really liked where we took this list and we took out all the stuff that was expensive in the sideboard first. Yep. And I, I like this iteration of the list even better. I loved Elspeth. I really did. But I think Obscure Interceptor and the ability to just play lower on the curve will... Proved to be a stronger path, probably.
1: That seems correct. Obscura Interceptor was so much more powerful than I thought it was going to be. Although a lot of that power in our games that we played was enhanced by Elspeth Resplendent. So it makes me kind of wonder whether Elspeth doesn't have a place in the 75 somewhere. I could see that. Because I'm not completely aware of what the format is. And I think the format's probably still figuring out what it is.
0: Which makes me happy because on Arena, usually within a week of a format dropping, it's like, all right, here's where we're at. Get used to it.
1: I know, I know. This this is a good standard so far. It's it's a very good standard so far.
0: And I mean, I've, I've definitely seen the difference in our mana base from where we began and where we left it, which I've also enjoyed because we have, this one had perfect mana straight throughout my games. I mean, I only played two. I did a quick 2-0 and kept it rolling. Yeah, And I didn't really miss the man lands. There's just so much action. And tenacious underdog kind of is a man land.
1: Yeah, kind of. I mean, it serves that purpose where it it gives you uh, pressure that you don't have to draw. Right. And yeah. When we were cutting the creature lands, it was just because if you stumbled on mana, you you would lose. Right. Right. It, the you had to have the mana. It had to be correct, and we completely optimized it. And we made sure that we couldn't get blown out by, I forgot the name of the wasteland that's in standard. Field of Ruins. Field of Ruin. Right. So we've got the double white, the double black, and the single island in basics.
0: Yep. Yep. So
1: Field of Ruin cannot stop us.
0: And I think on my build, because I cut out the top end, that's how I found the extra slot, because I went from 25 back down to 24 and cut the extra swamp because we don't have meat hooks. We don't need the double black.
1: Yeah, logical.
0: So it's, it's a little bit lower on the curve now. Um, the meat hooks, that was another tension point I was happy to get rid of because we, we're we going wide with wedding announcement, and then we're also playing meat hook. And you could go that route and play wisely around your own issues, but it does present right. some tension from time to time.
1: Yeah, you can always play around your own cards. right? And sometimes the game just doesn't go the right way and you get behind. I kind of liked it there, but the version of the deck as we were playing it I remember commenting at the time, depending on the game, like you're an aggro deck or you're kind of a control deck or you're a tempo deck, and it's sort of that role can evolve over the course of the game. And it does make sense to me that the deck would wind up embracing one of those plans, at least as a main deck plan. And the reason I was mentioning Elspeth resplendent in the sideboard is because I wonder how long it's going to be before a deck comes along that can get under this. Sure. And if it can get under this, then the Obscura Interceptors are no longer your friend. Right. And at at least not as a quad set. Correct, yeah. And the Elspeth Resplendent Build Your Own Baneslayer plan becomes really good.
0: Especially with the Graveyard Trespassers sitting in that board too. So now you have some very resilient three drops between, you'd, you'd have up to six or seven warded creatures at three that are just sitting there against aggro and providing you the ability to go over the top and then Elspeth build a bane slayer here we go. So, I could absolutely see one or two in the board for that exact reason.
1: I'm also kind of a sucker for the um the the classic take my deck that's sort of an aggro or tempo deck in in the main deck right. and sideboard into being a mid-range deck at least relative to the aggro that's faster than me.
0: Yeah, and that makes sense. Um I haven't seen a lot of it in the queue yet. What I've seen a lot of in the queue is mirror matches, which is what we're kind of optimized for now. Yeah, and this is the first mirror match in a long time that I have really enjoyed playing. Yeah, usually it's just atrocious, but this has been wild and so interesting.
1: And people are going to think that I'm fucking insane for saying this, but my favorite mirror match of all time is Affinity. Mm. It's like standard Affinity from post- Post uh, skull clamp skull ban, clamp band, but before they banned everything out of standard,
0: before they got rid of the seat of synods and all the other artifacts, right? Right, stuff.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, you could have the draws that, like, oh, you got Ravager, so all that thinking and all that math, it didn't matter anymore. <laughs> um, but that, that was that was kind of rare because, and, and same thing with the, the plate or yeah, the plating, yeah, cranial plating, because at, at the time these were disciple of the vault decks. Hmm. And there would be, like, the life loss back and forth, and you were just so rewarded for knowing the stack. And I think that remains my favorite my favorite mirror match, but this Esper mirror match
0: is good. It is. It is. It's complex. The early decisions you make will matter a ton because the connive and the ability to con- consistently grow is going to be a huge issue. Same with Luminarch Aspirant. Like, all of these early decisions, they're going to snowball you if you're not careful.
1: Yeah yeah i i like that we're back into a world where the decisions matter
0: and there's no card at the top that just shuts it all down right there's no ultimatum there's none of that bullshit it's just you have to play tight you have to play well and you know at a, at a certain point there isn't going to be uh anybody that can just slam a card and end everything you're doing the closest you get is meat hook and that still doesn't matter to super friends half the time
1: right meat hook won't clean up the planeswalkers and importantly neither will Farewell. Yes. Which, yes. I, you know, this I think would be great to play in this deck if it wasn't a World of Mirror Matches.
0: Right. <laughs> and the, the early versions of this deck did have Farewell on the sideboard. Right. But uh, it's it's a World of Mirror Matches. It's a World of is it. Um, I expect to see both, and both of those decks are very strong. And that's where I'm trying to position for is let's deal with those two as the primary. Uh, there's going to be Jund Anvil. We saw that yesterday. I wasn't so keen on that. I don't think it's actually that powerful, but I can understand why people are playing it. It gets under fast and it pings. And if you aren't playing very tight, it will steal wins like Cat Oven does, you know?
1: That's why I'm not into it. Yeah. I, I, I hate all that clicking and all that. It's weird because that's sort of like how the Elspeth Resplendent is a nightmare to do in paper. The Cat Oven style decks and these Anvil decks would be so easy to do in paper. Yeah, because you just you know you just kind of shortcut it like ah do this twice you know whatever we we know what it is
0: right this goes this way this goes that way here we go two life two life done
1: right Ricky tick Ricky tick pass to you
0: whereas on arena it's ugh click
1: click 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 <laughs> target click click target target <laughs> sacrifice click 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 yeah it's it's weird it's weird how some things just work so much better in paper and some things work so much better on arena.
0: It was definitely one of my favorite. I don't remember the name of the streamer, but I was watching one of the top streamers in Mythic play Cat Oven in uh, one of those like weekend tournaments that's not run through Wizards but through a third party. And it was so rewarding to watch them lose their winning into the top eight because they ran out of time from clicking. Good. It was it was great. They Good. S- they stacked like eight things with Mayhem Devils and cats and all that, and I saw the timer go from. 10 seconds to zero as they're desperately trying to target everything and like yelling at the screen while they're doing it. I was like, Yes, this is it. This is how it should be. (laughs) You motherfucker, this is what you get. Taste it. (laughs) This is what you get for playing that stupid ass deck and making us all wait here forever. Get what you fucking deserve. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably my favorite meme from that whole movie. It made that movie.
1: Like that movie was cool, but like it, it was very much the sad clown movie. I mean, it was like the opera Poliachi as a movie. Yes, like they they tricked you into watching Poliachi. They did, and you know it's it's a fine story, and it was it was a fun movie to watch, but it was also like a super downer, and there were all these people that just kind of came away from that movie with perhaps the wrong impression by idolizing Joker a bit too much. Well, that usually happens with Joker, yes, doesn't that, it? Yes, that tends to happen with Joker. <laughs> this, this one was even more rife for it, though.
0: Yeah, because it had all the social context in it. It wasn't like he was a villain. It was like the world fucked him over and over. Yes,
1: <laughs> and he was he was also incel.
0: Yes, yes.
1: It, it was subtle, kind was of. Ish. He wasn't online about it.
0: No, no, he wasn't.
1: But, I mean, that's what it was.
0: They didn't make it as obvious as the new Batman movie with the Riddler, where they were oh, very yeah. overt about how yeah, incel he yeah, was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. You know, it's kind of kind of interesting because you remember like when the, the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy and it was that post 9-11 world. Yeah. And all the villains were terrorists, basically. Right. Like they were all terrorists in the style of like Al-Qaeda, shock and awe, go after the civilians. Yep. And in the new Batman
0: stuff, the villains are all incel. That's true. They they have altered it and they've also made the cops more of a villain in the in these scenarios. Yeah. I'm into that. Like before the cops were just incompetent. Now the cops are outright corrupt. Right, right. You get to
1: like the Dark Knight rises and there's just that one cop who's is like just confident in all the wrong things all the time <laughs> until it's like the very end and Jim Gordon knocks on his door and it's like you're having your wife answer in an occupied city. It's like yeah incompetent but like eventually he gets his courage back and boom shot down
0: right right but
1: no like going going back to the joke i like i'm glad that that meme came out of it yes i'm glad that like that that moment that had the potential to to just be so culturally dark um and be one of those things that people point to later and say the killer was inspired by this <laughs> and that's why they shot up their school or whatever Instead is is the like this wonderful meme for just having laughs.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely a meme that reminds me of old school Eminem where he's bitching about how everybody's blaming him for all of these shootings and shit. Right. <laughs> Same kind of vibe to it. <laughs> right,
1: right. And I always see it. You know, like so, I'm just completely making this up, but if somebody posted something where it's just like. Ate a bunch of beans, shit my pants, right? And then it's right. just like you get what you fucking deserve. <laughs>
0: it's it's appropriate for a lot of different contexts. It is, it is. And <laughs> and the Joker really should be making us laugh. Yes. Yes. And that has that has stayed true. As long as it hasn't been Jared Leto, I've laughed. <laughs> I've had some
1: laughs at that Joker, but not for the reasons they wanted, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. Most of the laughs for that Joker were like, wow, did you fuck this up? <laughs> Edgelord Joker, <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh my, oh my. So anyway. um, Cat oven, get what you deserve. Get what you deserve. Uh, Espermitted standard, very strong. I don't know, that's where I am right now. That's where I'm going to be in that format for a minute until it gets old.
1: Right. It it seems like the obvious question is with all these mirror matches, figure out what beats it. Right. And my first guess is something that goes under it. I could see that. I kind of don't want to go down that road, though. I like the deck so much.
0: I like the deck, and I'm scared that the answer is nothing can quite get under it because of how high the the card quality is, and how wide it can go with wedding announcements and tenacious coming back, and Rafine being a one four with Ward. Like that is that's a shit brick house right there alone. So you've you've got a lot of stuff that just makes it difficult. And off the board, if they want to, they can push like four to eight cards to just deal with aggro if they want. So I I don't know that there is going to be a clean answer for this deck. It might just be a world of mirror matches till rotation, but we'll see.
1: I doubt it. I doubt it. So, I mean, any, this is not a broken deck. No. It's a deck full of high quality cards that don't appear to have any synergy. And I suppose they don't. They're just good. Right. And you can do favorable interactions because they're just really good cards. It's the jundiest Esper deck I've ever seen. Right, and that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point is that it's it's high quality stuff, and you're just gonna have to beat it by finding a a a point of vulnerability, and and leaning into it. I'm not sure where I would start. I think I would, I mean, I would look at how to kill Rafine consistently. Yes, and how to or how to deal with Rafine consistently. We had
0: that matchup where we played against somebody who hit us with a Valky. That actually hit me today, too. I played against Is it Dragons that splashed black for Valky, and they got to Valky and Obscura Interceptor, and I had to draw removal on the last turn of game two to not lose. And I did. But that's what it boiled down to, because they flipped it into an Obscura, and they're sitting at two life with three cards back and a gold span on the board, and they had lifelink. So there's, like, no matter what the math is, I'm fucked on that. Drew a fateful absence, killed it, got my Obscura back, Smacked right through, got the game. But the Valky did some serious work. Valky's where I start. Valky is definitely a, a vulnerability
1: point for the deck. I'm also kind of curious about how good Voidrend is as kind of a main strategy if my plan is to attack Rafine.
0: I think I would be curious to see what Jund would look like with Valky's, Rave, and Um Because you have, between those two cards, mana-efficient ways of really getting under this deck. And it, this deck does not have a lot of removal in the main. It only has four to six slots for it.
1: Shadow's Verdict is also sort of interesting here. yeah, Because
0: it'll sweep up all Almost these everything. ward
1: creatures, the enchantments, the tokens, and the Saito's.
0: Yeah, it gets almost everything. Does it get Wedding Announcement? I wasn't sure if it got Enchantments, but I know it gets Creatures and Walkers. I don't remember. Maybe we should just look it up. But either way, while well, well, just looking it up, uh, Shadow's Verdict definitely did some work against us, and uh, Burn Down the House also got played to great effect against me today and wiped out the entire board. It didn't matter. I had uh, Tenacious Underdogs just keep coming back, and I had eight lands, so it was like six a turn. Here we go, Manland.Dog. But these are cards that can be effective. That said, the, the traditional thing—go ahead, go ahead. You got Shadows of Earth stuff? Creatures and
1: Planeswalkers mana value three or less from the battlefield, and the
0: same from Graveyards. Okay, okay. So that's effective. It answers the Tenacious Underdogs well also, which is an important factor. Right, it'll clear those out. The The issue, I think, that is going to be found that wasn't—it uh it was different for Jund. Like, Jund always had, in Modern, a check with Tron, because Tron went over it, and Jund doesn't have counters this deck has four built in already and you can put like eight more in the board if you want really easily. Sure, yeah, it's blue. Um... So you don't really have an easy way to go over them. You have to interact. And I think you, you're right. I think to a degree it's going under, which is why like Rave Enfeeblements and Valky's and things of that nature intrigue me because they are clean, cheap removal answers that apply pressure in the case of Valky.
1: I wonder if we aren't in a world where it's worth main decking rays of Enfeeblement in certain builds. I could see that. Um, and, and this was, I, I don't remember where I heard the argument or or just the explanation that just was an aha moment for me mm. where, I, you know, because I'd always resisted putting hoser cards in the main, color hoser cards. Right. Because right. that's nonsense, right? What if I don't play against a deck of those colors? What am I going to do with this card? Right. And the point that I remember being made was, okay, but you'll main deck a lava coil and that's entirely useless against some builds. What's the difference? True. It's just removal that's good against some builds but not others. True. And as soon as it was put to me that way, I started looking at color hosers and thinking, yeah, you know, in certain in certain metagames, it's correct in the main deck, like the old Oko metagame yep. where
0: you yeah, you played your four Noxious Grass, four mystical dispute, baby.
1: And and then what was the other one? The the blue one that kind of put it on top or Aether something. Gust, I Aether
0: Gust Aether Gust. Yeah, you ran twelve of those plus four Oko, and it didn't matter if you played against anything else because you had to win the mirror.
1: Well, yeah, if you played against anything else, you had Oko, and they fucking lost. (laughs) Right. Who cares what the rest of the cards are? The whole deck was like, had two plans. Get Oko and kill your
0: Oko. And it was good enough to beat the whole format, which tells you how fucking broken Oko was. Worst mirror match ever, by the way. Yes. Worst mirror match ever. Super boring. Super boring. Not really interactive. And it took forever. It did, because Oko doesn't win quickly. It just inevitably gets there. It
1: just crushes your soul. Yes.
0: It yes. just slowly crushes your sanity. Yeah. The, uh, so the logic I've used for a long time, I don't know if it's right or wrong. I'm actually curious what you'll think of it. When I was designing uh, Grixis Shadow for Modern back in the day, way back when, uh, what I did is I looked at every uh, narrow spell that could interact with the format and I made sure that for every copy I had of a particular spell, there were four of the thing it was trying to answer in the opposing list i don't mean there had to be a four of but like if i had spell snare i wanted to know they had at least four Four things you could snare four things i could snare for every copy of spell snare and in in the end i ended up running four dismember and four spell snare because the whole format was sitting around at two and three and four mana yeah but that was that was part of what i i look at when i think like am i going to play raven feeblement in the main i look to see what the meta is and then i think are there four targets for the one copy i have so that on average it isn't going to be dead in my hand and that's usually how i develop Uh, sideboarding plans as well. I don't know if that's right. I I substantially agree with that as a default logic for
1: card choices. Sure. When you are going into a situation of undefined context sure, or perhaps uh, average context. And by average context, I mean a... I don't know why I chose average for this, but like a metagame that's reasonably diverse. Maybe there's somewhere between three and say, seven, eight decks sure. that are capable of top-aiding and being part of a winner's metagame. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me. But when we start getting into these situations that we appear to be into at least as of today right. in Standard, it might be totally different by the end of the weekend. But as of today, where it's you see overwhelmingly this match over and over and over. Yeah,
0: I'd say it's at least 50% of the meta right now.
1: Right. I'm, I'm kind of interested in a deck that plays four... Ray of Enfeeblement, main, and it's just for the Rafines. It's just for the Rafines, and if you can't come up with another use for it, whatever. But like the priority is beat Rafine. I don't know if there are four copies. You know, so by the logic you're saying, if I'm playing four Ray of Enfeeblement, yes, my opponent's deck should contain sixteen cards that that can kill. Yep. I do not believe that is true of the Esper deck. Because you can use it to kill the, I can't remember, the, one, the white guy that gets plus one one counters. Luminar aspirants. You can kill the aspirants. You can kill the Raffines. You can kill the Obscura whatevers. And I think that's it. Obscura infiltrator.
0: Yeah, everything else is not going to be good in terms of value. Like you could kill a token off wedding announcement, but we're not counting that.
1: No, and you, you could kill the samurai tokens from either the planeswalkers, the ninja token, or you can kill the... Two, two so it's it's useful in a pinch in certain situations right but by the logic of that rule it's it's you should only board in three right right against them but Rafine must die
0: must die right so the the logic changes when there's priorities like that in my opinion I agree I agree. If there are certain cards that just have to be dealt with or else the game ends especially in the mirror because you know you have access to those same cards yeah, I I think that's part of how you have to plan. Like there are flagship cards in this matchup and Rafine's the flagship of that matchup in my opinion. You know, I'm kind of thinking thinking about
1: we talked about Valky as as being a a really good go-to here. Ray of Enfeeblement as being a good go to. And I'm also thinking, like, I would like to, if I could, play with connive cards with my Ray of Enfeeblement deck. It's just a, i really love
0: conn- connive for that. Yeah, it, let, it lets you play those uh those cards that could be potentially dead, and it's not a big deal. You'll just filter through. Right, get rid of them.
1: And I don't have any specific card in mind, but I'm just aware of the mechanic and the format, and I kind of want to look at what cards have that mechanic and what I can do with them to start main decking things more aggressively against Esper, because at the beginning of this conversation, I was thinking about playing Esper and I'm still gonna do it. Sure. But now I'm thinking about beating it. And 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 my mind just went to Jund, of course. Of course. Because I was thinking, like, okay, so what how do I preserve, protect the Valkyrie? Right. Because that's the problem. Is right. if, if you get it going for a little while and you can ride it all the way, that's great. But when they can hit it with the removal. Right. They just get their card back, and now now you got to deal with what you were just beating them down with. And you've kind of time walked yourself once
0: at that point. Usually,
1: kind of, sorta. I mean, you, you paid for the mana for the Valky, and that took the card out of their hand, right. and then you pay the mana to turn Valky into whatever it is, hopefully Rafine, and start getting the benefit of that. Um, and, and that was more of like a time walk thing with Valky back when we were playing with uh Bone Crusher Giants. Yeah, where like you could steal their bone crusher, but if you didn't turn Valky into a bone crusher before they untapped, <laughs> Valky would get his fucking bones crushed.
0: <laughs> There's always a second crusher, right?
1: Right, but we, we have we have these one man we have like snakeskin veil, right, and and other things like that. That's got me wondering. I mean, that normally I wouldn't consider something like a Jun deck that has snakeskin veil in it, mm. but when Rafine is the pressure point of the game, right? I kind of like that. I kind of like having Valky's and Snakeskin Veil, or if there's a better version of that, arguably a, you know, a one mana green, you can't kill my thing. Although I do like Hexproof in case people start void rending because they probably will start void rending at some point.
0: So there there are t- exactly two options in standard for that. There's Snakeskin and there's Tamio safekeeping. That's an indestructible thing, right? Hexproof, indestructible, and you gain two life. Okay, that's interesting. So hexproof. it's really the counter versus that is what you're trying to figure out.
1: Okay, so Snakeskin Veil, that's what? It's hexproof, plus one, one counter. Yep.
0: I mean, I really like
1: the plus one, one counter.
0: That's really what it boils down to. And the other one is what, Gain Life? Gain two, hexproof, and indestructible. So it's a little bit broader because you can run it up against control decks to maintain momentum.
1: Unless they're meat hooking.
0: Unless they're meat hooking or unless they're farewelling, which is why it hasn't seen a ton of play.
1: Yeah, farewell's in exile, isn't it? Yep. And of course, so is Shadow's Verdict. So that has me leaning to Snakeskin Veil.
0: Right, right. It's probably a little bit stronger to run the veils. And uh, I, I think Jund is the home of Valky. I mean, you could try and find a Grixis build too, but uh, I don't know. I I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious to see what... There's a lot of three-color <laughs> ways to go. Nukapenna has a ton of multicolored right. cards Well, and maybe,
1: maybe Grixis makes more sense because instead of Snakeskin Veils, we could have spell pierces. Yeah. Which are good for all kinds of stuff in that matchup. The wedding announcements, the removal,
0: the planeswalkers. You could go somewhat nuts too. There is a blue counter spell that is one mana hard counter for non-creature. And gives them treasure. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious about that. Nobody's really messed with it, and yet it's a hard counter for their big dumb thing.
1: You know, I kind of like that along the logic that I liked uh, Fateful
0: Absence. Right. Although, but like treasure, unlike a clue, you can just use it. Right, right. But if you have a series of cheap interactive uh, spells that are going to do the trick, then I like that card a lot. If you don't and you're relying on the curve working out nicely for both decks, I don't like it. I think I like that card the most in the
1: context of being deeper in the game. And I want to deploy, like say I've got a five mana, four mana thing, like a big game crushing card. A planeswalker whatever
0: back up your threat with a negate for right one mana.
1: one mana up and like whatever you try and do it ain't happening have some mana go fuck yourself right i like it there i don't like it in the early game because it's like i do my little thing i protect it or i stop your one thing but i also ramp you into the top of your curve
0: right and that's immediately the problem. that's the problem with it so it's it's kind of a question i haven't seen anybody pull it out and really use it yet but i am curious to see if it finds a home because it a. It's a hard counter for one mana. That's an incredibly powerful effect. It is. It is. This does seem like a good format for spell Pierce, though. It does. It and does.
1: I I suppose for me that's going to be the question for trying to use like the Vol'ky, Ray of Enfeeblement plan to deal with Rafine, and and build a deck that's you know about that and figure out what to do with is it later. Right. Because I I really haven't even taken a look at that deck list at all. I just kind of am vaguely aware of what you do with Goldspan Dragon.
0: You win motherfucking games. Yeah,
1: you attack and then play more expensive <laughs> shit. Yep. I'm yeah. not sure if spell pierce is useful against them. Presumably they have some removal.
0: The The Goldspan deck I played today uh, was a throwback to the old school Alruns, except instead of Alruns they were just like, okay, well we have Lear still and Lear isn't modified because it's not alchemy, so it's still really fucking hard to deal with. Okay, so spell pierce would be of
1: some use against that deck until Lear hit the battlefield and then it's, it's over. Then it's dead, dead, yeah. And I, I don't know, that's a different problem, but the uh I, I guess that would be the the thing that might push you more to green for the snakeskin veil.
0: Still a difficult scenario. Like Lear just makes it difficult because they're gonna have four fading hope to go with it, and like snakeskin's awesome, but when they can just go fading hope, fading hope for mana mana, that's that's rough. That's rough. Lear is a huge problem in the format, always always has been since it's been printed.
1: You know, since we're mentioning it, the other another card I would really like to play and maximum copies of like four copies high of the eye tyrant. Mm. That card is so good right now. Mm. Sniping planeswalkers, punching through for those last few points, it's it's reach. Yeah. But the incidental exile
0: from graveyard is so good. I would like to see a deck that has Valky, Raven Feeblement, Hive of the Eye Tyrant and Graveyard Trespasser.
1: Yeah, that, that definitely sounds like a strong like a strong black based, probably jund, maybe Grixis deck.
0: Yeah. And I, I could see where I could see where all of those cards line up really well against what everyone else is trying to do, because Graveyard Trespasser in a world full of Leers and Tenacious Underdogs is a house. Now all of the extra, you know, ping here, ping there advantage, it's gone. Hives can punch through, give you that extra three points of reach and another card out of the grave. Falkies are going to keep her fiends offline so are Raven Feeblements and Raven Feeblement is not dead a lot of the time anyway. Like the Anvil decks, it still kills most of their shit weirdly.
1: Yeah, minus 1 or minus 4 minus 1 is enough to get a lot of stuff.
0: Yep. It is. It is. So I'm I'm curious to see where this format goes. I'm going to probably play a lot more standard. I did just, you know, pimp out the uh, Esper mid deck, so.
1: This I've actually been waiting for exactly this part of the season to return to standard mm. for enough sets to drop in that it does it no longer feels like like the the standard dominated by the previous not really block because we don't do blocks anymore. No, no blocks. But, you know, last year's
0: last year's standard sets. Although to be fair, you never know when blocks are coming back. Wizards has flip flopped so many times on these things. (laughs) Well they they haven't They,
1: (laughs) they they got done with blocks and said we're not gonna do blocks as a rule. Because it was three set blocks and then a core set or something like that. Okay. Okay. But what it is now is we're doing four sets a year. They may or may not be related. They may or may not be one offs. It's just free flow. Okay. So theoretically, we could see seven sets in a row that all take place on the same plane.
0: All I know is that they've already banned Winota in Explorer and Tybalt's Trickery. And they've already announced that they will be coming, Winota will be coming back potentially with the release of the next set because they believe there are there's a card in it to balance
1: okay i actually
0: didn't get the sense that winota was out of control actually in explore i was surprised i knew tybalt's trickery wasn't it wasn't a ban because it was broken it was a ban because it's stupid right like that deck is so glass cannon and dumb and nobody likes it except for the assholes that are playing it and again like get what you fucking deserve yeah exactly have your wild cards yeah have your wild cards back what you're gonna do winota i don't know why that got banned like i understand it's a good deck i understand it's potentially tier one but we played the crap out of it
1: we eliminated it
0: after less than a week i think it was two and a half days were enough for us to look at that deck and say it's two glass cannon to like if you build it to explode it's glass cannon if you build it to grind yorian eats you right it's entirely beatable so I I don't understand that ban, but that's okay. I, I would
1: love to see a Yorian ban. I'm so fucking sick of seeing that card
0: already. Already sick of it. It's only like this format's brand new, and I'm already looking at Yorian like fuck you, birdie, you little sky noodle.
1: I'm 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 so I'm, I'm building a casual deck with Yorian. Sure, because I want to use it for good. You know, <laughs> like won't. Yorian Yorian is a really fun card. Yeah, it has the potential to be a really fun card. Yeah, but it's just. I, you know, I've played the Yorian decks and I hate the way they play. They're so slow and inevitable in the most boring way possible. I don't
0: know. There's nothing that's entertaining to me anymore about playing a control deck that just sits there and goes, no, 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 kill your shit, kill your shit, kill your shit. Here's the win.
1: Except the here's the win part takes a very long time.
0: That's the problem. You know, like I was around for Dralnu Standard back when Dralnu v Dralnu was a mirror match and that was the most fun I've ever had playing Control.
1: That was a great mirror match as well.
0: Because it was actually very difficult to play.
1: Do you remember the tech of bringing in like one Magus of the mirror? Huh? So you could swap life totals
0: with your opponent and then just KO them. Yep. Yep. I remember that tech. I I remember all the Dreadship Reefs and making sure that we had just enough mana to get our Teferi and counter their Teferi. Yes. And again, this was before Teferi got to be a Planeswalker. This was when it was... Yes, a-
1: this was Teferi Mage of Zalfir.
0: Yeah, the 3-4 flasher that took out all the counterspells for the opponent. The
1: best Teferi.
0: And it let you play creatures at instant speed. Yeah, it gave can- all your creatures flash.
1: You can- and it gave them flash in your library. Yep. So you could search them out with uh,
0: mystical teachings? Mystical teachings.
1: God, what a deck. That was awesome.
0: That deck was a masterpiece. That was the coolest control deck, and it was super beatable too. And I, I remember beating the crap out of it with the mono green Allosaurus Rider deck. And that was the answer to that deck for a while, was just run Allosaurus Riders.
1: Perhaps one of my favorite things, perhaps my favorite thing about the Draw New deck yeah, and the Mystical Teaching decks in general, was that when Time Spiral came out and people were looking at Mystical Teachings trying to figure out, what do I do with this? Yeah. Dan Skinner said it was garbage, and I've loved watching him eat crow on that ever since.
0: There's nothing more satisfying than watching Dan Skinner eat crow. Get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so if you're in Standard and you're looking for something to play, uh, I would take a look at Tuning Up S for Mid. Check out our uh, socials. We'll have the deck list up on there. I think it's already sitting on Twitter, and it's probably sitting around in our Discord. Uh, check it out. It's It's a good list. It's interesting. There's a lot of tuning left to be done. There's a lot of discussion to be had about where it should go with this format, and uh, as you've, I mean, you've heard us talk about it for more than 15 minutes here. It's got a lot of power. It's very
1: interesting too. Yes, very interesting, a fun puzzle, and a lot of fun to play.
0: So that's where that's what I'd recommend for standard. Uh, next week we will. Play, Who fucking knows? We'll play whatever we're feeling. Who fucking knows? Yeah, I, I I don't know how much time I'm
1: gonna have over the next few days. I do want to get on Arena and. And kind of tinker with some of these ideas yeah and i i hope i'll have time to put together some kind of spicy Jun something for this yeah but you never know the the world of magic moves so quickly now by monday we could be in a whole new standard metagame or something could pop
0: off in historic who knows yeah and if you're not feeling constructed right now you know the winota band has you tilted and standard just doesn't seem fun the arena open is rocking out this weekend and that's a good, that's a good time to, I think it's a cash grab as usual. Uh, it's limited format. It's sealed, I believe for day one. I haven't checked into it too deeply. I just know that it's the same general format as the MIQ at the end of the month. So I will likely hop on and play it just to see if I can deal with sealed and not face palm from sealed. Cause I, it's my least favorite format by a wide margin, but I got to try it because I'm in the MIQ.
1: I do like about sealed that you can just show up with no fucking plan. True. I mean, you can open boxes and like build sealed pools and sure. play some games and screw around. But it, it is incredibly dependent upon what you open. And it, it makes it so easy to say, oh, hey, I've got a great card pool. This is going to be a good day. Right. Or, you know, as long as I draw lands and spells. Right. Or you open a weak card pool and it's, all right, let's try something insane. Yeah. And yeah. if it works, if it doesn't work, maybe it's your fault, maybe not. But you can always blame it on that card pool. Oh, yeah, 100%. And
0: I've done it. Yeah. And I've done it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's my favorite part about sealed. Is it's never my fault.
0: It's never my fault. Zero accountability. These packs done fucked me. Right. In draft, <laughs> it's definitely your fault. Yeah, there. the most you can say about draft is you didn't get any on-color rares, and that's it. That's as much as you can say.
1: Yeah, if, if you're proficient at draft, you should be able to draft a functional deck. Sometimes, sometimes, you you just get the rake. Yeah. And, a- and, and that happens very rarely yeah but sealed uh, yeah i mean it could totally be your fault but like everyone would be like oh yeah yeah bad card pool whatever just don't show it to them yeah (laughs) terrible
0: card pool already (laughs) threw it away done
1: yeah it only had two rafines what the fuck
0: (laughs) anyway uh i think that's our show for today this was the dark stream see you monday take care